Hey everyone, welcome to the Wild and Uncut podcast brought to you by Ruger. I'm your host, Christy Titus. Thank you for tuning in. The line is going hot, so let's go full send on this episode. I fell in love with it, quite honestly. So I started shooting with friends, um, bought one gun, and of course, um, you know, that leads to an, I call it gun math. Right, so one becomes three, and then three becomes eight, and then you stop counting. And then, you know, you shoot a firearm and you realize, well, I've got ear protection, I've got eye protection, I'm safe, this thing is not gonna hurt me, I am in control, and it's empowering. Training or plinking at the range is both empowering and fun. And what I love about the Ruger LCP-2 is that it is chambered in 22 long rifle, which is perfect for skill development and training. Plus, it's also available in 380, making it a great choice for personal protection. As a safe, responsible citizen, join me in being a proud Ruger American. Hey everybody, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Wild and Uncut podcast. We are coming at you live from the Wild Sheep Foundation convention and I am here with the first lady of Indiana, Miss Janet Holcomb, and your husband, Eric, is the governor making you uh, the first lady. Yep, that's right. Um, yeah, we've been in office now, uh, we're in our fifth year, and uh, it's been quite an adventure. Well, I can speak, uh, hopefully for most of America, that we are so thankful thankful to have um, our leadership. And as we know right now with everything going on in the country, how important our governors are in our states and having you representing the state of Indiana here at the Wild Sheep Foundation Convention is such an honor. And um, we're just could not appreciate your time and presence here uh, more, especially in this, in this time of our nation. So thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule and being here. Thank you. Well, um, I am... Um, quite an advocate for hunting and shooting sports. I came to hunting and shooting sports later in life, and um, I, but I kind of dove in, and I absolutely love it. This is my first time attending yes. the Wild Sheep Foundation uh, convention here in Reno, and it's been spectacular. It's just uh, it's just a big family, mm -hmm. and I've met so many really wonderful people, and um, I fully intend to come back. So tell everybody that's watching and listening, how did you become the first lady of Indiana? <laughs> that was uh, an interesting year in our life. So in 2016, uh, my husband was uh, asked by then Governor Mike Pence mm -hmm. to fill a midterm vacancy as Lieutenant Governor. So he was sworn in on March 3rd, 2016. We thought we were going to be running as a slate with, um, with Mike Pence for re-election that year. And four months later, uh, Mike got the uh, vice presidential nomination. He was asked to serve uh, with Donald Trump, of course, uh, and run for vice president. And we moved up the ballot then and had a 106-day campaign. So it came as Very quite a quick. shock. <laughs> yes. Very quick. Very quick. You went from being lieutenant governor to your husband went from being lieutenant governor to governor very rapidly. Yes, yes. So, just a few months. So, And yeah. now you guys were just, Eric was just actually uh, reelected for his second term, correct? That's correct. Yes, we were back on the ballot uh, last year, 2020. Well, Indiana loves you and loves everything you're doing in the state. But before I go into all the awesome things that you have brought to the state of Indiana as First Lady... 
Can you tell your story of how you got involved in being um, an adult onset firearms owner <laughs> and actually also adult onset um, hunter uh, as well? Yes. Um, in 2008, we were home uh, asleep. It was January, and our home got broken into uh, during the night. My purse was stolen. Fortunately, uh, the burglars left, and uh, it was just a eye-opening experience for me. The next morning when I woke up and found that my purse was missing and um, and evidence of a break-in. Correct. Uh, Phoned the police then and of course they came out to do the report and what they said while they were there was it's a good thing you didn't wake up because we did not have firearms in home at at that time. I was kind of afraid of guns Mm -hmm. and um, I'd grown up growing up in proximity of guns, but I really didn't have a lot of experience handling them mm-hmm. and understanding them. Mm-hmm. But after that, uh, I became very motivated. So I decided it was time to confront my uh, fears and uncertainties, and um, I just started learning. Because you you realized at that point, you know, a phone call sometimes is, it takes too long to have a responder, even though, you know, now you have a lot of security around you, but you still take the responsibility of your own security in your own hands. I and, sure do. and I really respect that. There's a lot of people that end up in a position of leadership where you do have um, security around you because of your unique position. And, and you kind of, I, I don't want to assume that a lot of people get complacent with their own security, but I, I think they honestly do. And you're the absolute opposite of that. So, you know, you've went from like not owning a gun to now you are an instructor. I mean, this is, you've taken a whole nother level um, to your own personal security, which is, I really commend you for. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I just, I fell in love with it, quite honestly. So I started shooting with friends, um, bought one gun. And of course, um, you know, that leads to an, I call it gun math, right? So one becomes three and then three becomes eight. And then you stop counting because yes. you don't, sometimes you don't want your spouse to know how many you have, right? All the guns, you are, know what? You all can, the guns in the house like are shoes. mine. You can't just have one for one occasion. Purses, you have to have. shoes, exactly. whatever. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Yes. So, um, yeah, I just, I fell in love with shooting sports and uh, started with pistol and really kind of focusing on defensive and tactical training. And, um, then moved to shotgun and rifle and uh, decided I wanted to start hunting. And Not only does she shoot shotgun and rifle, and she runs over this, like, super fast, but the guys at her trap club she shoots with, when she started shooting with them, you know, she could go there and shoot. Now she goes there and cleans house. <laughs> so don't, you know, do, I, I appreciate your your um, modesty or your humility with your ability, but you are like an extremely capable marksman. So I have a group of, um, I call them my girlfriends. They're all uh, 50 plus guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that I, that I hunt with, wing shoot, yeah. um, and shoot clays with quite a bit. Um, but yeah, when I started shooting, you know, I was hitting maybe half yeah. out of, you know, around a 50, I'd hit 25. Yeah. Um, yeah. She now, shoots better than me. I, I can't hit any now shotgun. I, I either hang with the guys or out shoot them. So yeah. 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 Well, if we went um, trap shooting together, I would be like, uh, Janet, will you shoot one for me, please? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll shoot back up. How yeah, about that? yeah, that's right. That's right. No, and then, so you not only do you shoot trap or sporting clays, you also have done 
a lot of instruction training as well. Yes. After I had been shooting for a few years, I started taking my girlfriends to the range. And I thought, gosh, this is fun. And they loved it, and I loved it. And um, I realized that it's important to con- to present um, a consistent message, mm-hmm. use con- a consistent terminology, in, because you're laying the foundation for someone. That's right. And you want them to be able to take that and build on it and do other courses. So you, you want to have a solid start for for ladies. And you're in a very unique position to influence um, people that maybe would be on the anti-gun side of things or on the fence with guns because you are in a, in a political position of influence. You encounter a lot of people that, you know, most of us everyday people, we don't We don't hang out in the same circles. Let's just, you know, put it honestly. And so, you know, with your background, you know, you're able to influence and talk to people about safe firearms ownership, how firearms owners are responsible, responsible handling of firearms. And and these types of conversations in small rooms and and in different non-formal settings really can also have a lot of influence when it comes to legislative matters as well or the court of public opinion. Exactly. I've always taken uh, somewhat of a soft sell approach, I think, um, with with regard to training and, uh, you know, encouraging people to get involved in firearms. Um, it's been really fun, though, because, and very rewarding because mm-hmm. I've had even friends who are pretty liberal who have um, approached me after a number of years maybe and said, hey, you know what? I'm ready to give this a try. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to own a gun yet, but I'm at least ready to head to the range yeah. or take a class and and learn. Yeah. And I, you know, I so commend anyone who's just willing to to learn. Right? Um, maybe you decide it's not for you, but mm-hmm. just have some knowledge and some understanding of of firearms because what we hear in the media often is very um, negative. Is, is very negative, very biased, and and quite often very uninformed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a firearm's not just going to go off. You know, a, a hammer or a firing pin has to hit a primer mm-hmm. for a gun to go off. So just understanding that... <laughs> trigger finger. That's right, trigger finger, <laughs> yeah. or yeah. engaging the hammer. Yeah. You know, that was um, something that came up here recently on a movie set, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so not... Um, if you're going to... Handle firearms in in any setting. Mm-hmm. Have a base knowledge to be able to understand if it's loaded. Mm-hmm. Safe, responsible, how to present a firearm, how to carry it, all of those things. So you've actually gone out, you've done a lot of outreach with your own community of girlfriends and friends and your own sphere of influence, which, I mean, I can think of, you know, of our 50 states. I mean, I can think of on less than two handfuls of governors and and leadership that really is, is super pro Second Amendment, and you've taken your love of firearms to Indiana. You're bringing a lot of competitive shooting sports into into Indiana. For example, the NRA shooting sports are are coming to Camp Atterbury. Yes, it's really exciting. Um, So uh, a couple of years ago, we really kind of embarked on this project, but we are building a state-of-the-art shooting sports complex at one of our military bases, Mm -hmm. Camp Atterbury. It's located uh, just about 45 minutes south of Indianapolis, and the NRA is moving all of their competitions to to Indiana. So um, 
we started a couple of years ago with High Power Rifle, mm-hmm. and we're adding some competitions each year. So this past summer, we hosted um, a little over 90 days oh, of wow. NRA competitions, and we love having them there. Um, great, great, great folks yeah. from across the nation there to compete, and it's you know it's just exciting. So um, I love getting down there during the competitions to see what's going on and um, to just to meet people and, and welcome them to our great state. Yes, that's um, it's so important that we have a, a place to have shooting sports because the gun ranges and the availability of a place to shoot with urban development, it's not like everybody has the opportunity anymore to go in their back 40 and go planking. And so having a governor um, and a first lady that is investing in our shooting sports and making sure that there's a welcoming community for the entire state is so important. And um, I'm so thankful that there's a place in Indiana that... You know, people can go and shoot and and be safe and and enjoy shooting sports with friends and family. And that's so important with our culture of firearms. It's uh, it's been very rewarding to be able to use as part of my platform as First Lady um, to have the opportunity to be an advocate for this and for uh, encouraging individuals and families and, and people for every walk of life to get out and enjoy this sport. It's it's incredibly safe. Mm-hmm. Once you have a base of knowledge and, and understand, it's addictingly fun. It is really, really fun. It is so fun, and the fellowship and and everything is, and and I think it's really empowering, especially for women. A lot of women are afraid of the noise, they're afraid of the recoil, and then you know you shoot a firearm and you realize, well, I've got ear protection, I've got eye protection, I'm safe. This thing is not going to hurt me. I am in control, and it's empowering. It, it, is, it, it is, is empowering. So fun. And what's exciting for me is that there have been opportunities, or there have been occasions when I've worked with women that have never typically the women I work with have never held a gun Mm -hmm. and there's been many occasions when I'm on range with women and their hands are just shaking Mm -hmm. because they're so nervous I have to remind them to breathe and Mm -hmm. um, but once you get through a couple of magazines they start to calm down and then you start focusing a little bit on accuracy. And, mm-hmm. you know, within half an hour, they're shooting tight groups. Yeah. Women are really good at uh, listening and uh, taking information and and transferring it to, to the, the skill. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so rewarding to see someone who goes from being really nervous to all of a sudden shooting tight groups. And, you know, they walk away and take their target with them. And it's, it's it, a badge know, it's of fun. honor. You're it like, is. I did that, it I is. hit that, I'm so awesome. You did the kind of natural progression from, in my opinion, natural progression, I love guns and shooting to, I'm also a conservationist. I'm an outdoors person. I love you. Grew up around horses and you love being in the outdoors. I you do. and your beautiful dog. Um, what is his name again? Henry? Yes. So my dog is Henry. You and your dog, Henry, love to go hiking. And, and so it's like natural for you to step into now being a hunter. Yes. Um, it, you know, it was um, just a growing process for me. So, yeah, it was another way for me to connect with the outdoors and to enjoy being outside in nature. That is what really rejuvenates me. Mm-hmm. And particularly after we took on these jobs of mm-hmm. governor and first lady, that is, that's my go-to, mm-hmm. you know, that's what, that's what resets me. And uh, just being outdoors in doing anything, hunting, fishing, hiking, whatever it is. Um, you know, I just love being out. 
So. Hey, you guys, for the past several years, I've come to rely on Onyx Hunt for mapping both in and out of the field. But now I'm also using it to plan and research units for my application season. Onyx has teamed up with TopRut to show you everything that you need for draw odds in most Western states. And access to TopRut services is completely free to all elite members. Now I have both the power of Onyx Hunt and TopRut to help me strategize my state hunting applications. So if you haven't already, download Onyx Hunt and upgrade to the Elite membership to access TopRut as well as other great Elite benefits. Hey everyone, after successfully using Rack One Big Game Peanut Butter and their super yummy peanut butter and jelly in my spring bear baits, I'm excited to share with you two new premium bear attractants from Rack One. First, they've added picnic basket and jelly donut flavors. All four of the flavors from Rack One are dynamite and they're sure to lure in bears. Now you can place them wisely to use them to capture pictures from your trail camera or you can actually put them in your bear baits below your hunting stand. The rest is easy from Rack One. All you have to do is get in the stand and make your shot count. Good hunting to you all. Your first big game hunting experience was the Wyoming Women's Antelope Camp, was it not? That's right. So this is what I love about some of our governors in this <laughs> in our country. Um, Jenny Gordon is the first lady of Wyoming, yep. and um, she invited you. Her husband, Mark, is the governor of Wyoming, and she, um, I don't, her state welcomes roughly 45 women into Wyoming to do a women's antelope hunt. And it's a really incredible learning experience where you can learn how, you know, basic stalking skills and they have archery and they have fly fishing and fly tying and cooking and they teach con conservation principles. But you went there as a guest um, two or three years ago. It was in 2019. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, Another great state. Yes, yes. yes. So, um, you know, we have a really great com camaraderie mm -hmm. amongst um, other governors and mm -hmm. first ladies, but I have to say when Jenny and I met... Like mm -hmm. instant click because um, because we both love yes. hunting and the outdoors and um, shared passions. You know, we, we just automatically clicked. So she invited me out to the Wyoming Women's Antelope Hunt and uh, went in 2019. Mm -hmm. And it was just an amazing experience. So, um, yeah, it was really my first big game hunting. I, did, I had done a little bit of whitetail hunting mm -hmm. in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Very different, of course. You know, tree stand versus spot and stock. Mm -hmm. um, and I just love spot and stocks. Mm -hmm. So... I love walking and being, you know, sitting in a tree stands a little, I get fidgety. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. <laughs> sitting still is hard. <laughs> yes, it is. Being quiet is hard. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And this, the stalking is the fun part. It's it the is. adrenaline seeking it part. Is. And it is, it's, it's very rewarding when yeah. it all comes together. Yeah. It's so great. So uh, it was just a tremendous event. The mm -hmm. way, it, you know, from, from day one and um, all the way through the end of the uh, time we had there together. Um, it's it's even kind of a field of fork experience. Mm -hmm. They talk about cooking and pre preparing different mm -hmm. cuts of um, different types of meat from the animals, and 
So it was really and fun. And Jenny has actually launched a really great, um, it's like a Wyoming hunger initiative where they have um, taken a lot of the harvest of, of, of the state. If you you know want to harvest a wild game animal um, and don't need the meat, they've got a great food bank program where you can donate meat to. And, and they're really doing a lot to combat um, hunger in Wyoming. And I really um, love seeing two women that have so much influence work together and come together because the two of you, you know, you were, you had just started hunting. You'd done a little bit of whitetail. Now you're exploding. And the two of you have so much opportunity to influence so many people. I mean, your entire constituency in your states look, they look up to you as women and, and they say, well, if these women can do it, um, I can do it. And that is so empowering. Uh, and I love seeing women like you ladies. And I'm so thankful that there are um, red states out there that are uh, hunting and, and embracing the hunting culture as well. And, and when you left there, we actually went on our elk hunt in Colorado. So if you guys that are listening or watching this, you want to watch her episodes on um, Carbon TV and then also my YouTube channel. And it's titled First Elk for First Lady. And we had a great hunt for elk in Colorado. It was we so much did. fun. We did. And I want to commend you, too, because you do so much for women in hunting and, and um, just promoting this incredible way of life, these traditions, and um, passing it forward to the next generation. So, yes, we, um, we hunted in southern Colorado. Yes. And just... A magnificent experience. So it was um, it was hard work. Uh, five the days. Elevation. The elevation. The elevation's um, a grind up there. Like it, coming it, from Indiana, <laughs> and then we're I'm like at ninety five hundred feet. And everybody's sucking air. Oh like, man! Whoa. I remember more than once when I had to um, to tell our group there, um, I need a break mm-hmm. <laughs> because the elevation. You yeah. Know, try to stay in good shape and work out quite a bit, but yeah. the elevation is... Tough. It's always an adjustment when you're hunting, but what I think, you know, what I love about hunting, and I'm sure you also appreciate it, is when you're done, you're like, man, I did that. It is yes. such a tremendous accomplishment. You know, it you is. put one foot in front of the other, you refuse to quit, and there's success at the end of the journey, hopefully. <laughs> uh, but in our case, Not in that always, situation... Yes. Yeah, yes. It, it, yeah, it was, yes, um, it was. It, you know, you've got a beautiful bull, and... Um, and, uh, you know, where are all of your trophies now, Janet? <laughs> well. <laughs> I love this story. <laughs> Sorry. You write so, up for that one. Uh, my mounts arrived a couple of months later, of course. And um, when I received them at the governor's residence, um, my my husband said, where are you going to hang these? And um, I said, well, they're going to go in our event room mm-hmm. at the residence. And uh, because there's a really nice, tall ceiling in that room and uh, I knew they would look great and he you know um, we had a little bit of a debate I'll say for a couple of weeks uh, he was concerned that some of our visitors might not appreciate having the mounts in there um, of course the mounts are where I intended <laughs> why and even have this conversation with her like, he knew he, he was married I don't know the first lady <laughs> <laughs> but they do look great, That's and right. um, and people really love hearing yes. the story when they come in and visit and and um, learn that I you went hunting, yeah, that yeah. I harvested those animals, mm-hmm. and that, so they, it, I think people are really intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, again, it's an opportunity to talk to people who might not have a lot of exposure. And not only that, not only does she have her her harvest hanging on her wall proudly in her 
governor's mansion. They also feed their guests the harvest from her hunt. So, you know, you get to bring this extra culinary experience to the the first house in Ooh. Indiana where, like, um, you know, there's... I'm sure there's other, other governors that have done the same thing in Indiana, but you guys are a very red state, but... At, how impressive is that to your to your company when it you're telling this field to fork journey? It is fun to um, to tell visitors that I harvested the entree. Mm-hmm. Um, I hosted a wild game dinner a couple of months ago, and we had seven different types of wild game, mm-hmm. and it was just um, it was really fun. You know, it's always great to to share the harvest mm-hmm. and to share the stories mm-hmm. and. Just a great way to spend time with friends. Mm-hmm. There's always a story and a memory, and it and it leads you on a mental adventure, and your guests on one too. And hopefully, yeah. you know, at some point, you're enticing um, people that maybe have never been hunting to to consider experiencing it. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as we know, um, in your position as well, um, hunters are truly fueling the conservation movement, and we have done so since the 1930s with the inception of the North American model of wildlife conservation. And, and you know, with that, you have this huge opportunity to inform your guests how hunting is con- conservation through license and tag sales, funding 75% of state conservation buzz- budgets through PR dollars, which comes from the sale of fire, legal transfer of firearms and ammunition. And, you know, we're truly fueling that grassroots effort. Absolutely. And all of that has kind of maybe led you in a way to the Sheep Foundation Convention here. It has. Um and yeah, so the more I learned about conservation and Pittman Robertson mm-hmm. and uh, the North American model, and so over the years, I've just um, you know just conversations mm-hmm. around the literal or metaphorical campfire mm-hmm. um, with other hunters mm-hmm. and conservationists. Um, yeah, it's the the more I learn, I think it's kind of been a a really interesting journey mm-hmm. and gotten me more and more involved and. Um, did you know that I have a sheep hunt? Yeah, I, so I was going there next. I was like, this lady not only is at the Wild Sheep Foundation Convention, she's got the sheep bug. Okay, I if have the you've sheep bug. been bit. I've been, yes, yes. Yes, um, yes I'm heading to the Yukon um, this August. So that will be my first sheep hunt, and mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Oh, you're a little have bit an intimidated, time. but excited. Oh, you know what? It's, it's the most defining moment of your life. Um, when you when you accomplish that, you're gonna you're gonna understand it's you've done something, and, and it's different than any other feeling I think in the world. I'm excited, uh, and I'm excited I, for I, you I to have challenge. that. I love challenge. So, and I love um, I love having hunts like that scheduled because it's a great motivation to work out. You know, when you're you know not feeling like heading to the gym, maybe yeah. knowing that you have that on the calendar yeah. is kind of gives you that extra little push to yeah. Gives you something to work towards. Yes. You know, it's a goal and it defines your why and a purpose. And, um, you know, we've been very fortunate this week here at Sheep Week that Janet has shared her story of her home break into your journey now to being a hunter and and a soon-to-be sheep hunter um, with, with the members of the wild sheep family. And I think, and I can't say this again, how important it is that we have our decision makers that are invested in the hunting heritage, that are invested in how hunting does really fund conservation. And, and, you know, we're seeing it with some of these tags that are selling here and they're going for a lot of money. And it will just, sheep hunting is not an inexpensive sport, but it, there, 
with the Sheep Foundation family, you know, there's raffles and there's auctions and there's ways for people to come in and have that chance of being a sheep hunter. And whether we're sheep hunters or not, we're all here to put in sheep put and keep sheep on the mountain. And, and one thing that Guy Eastman said today that I found incredibly intriguing was that hunters, sheep hunters specifically, worldwide harvest less than 1% annually of the population of wild sheep. And the dollars that are raised here and the stewardship that is done here, um, the revenue that's created here, there would not be wild sheep if it weren't for places and, and programs like the Wild Sheep Foundation and for the North American model. And with a less than 1% world harvest rate, I mean, hunters are literally putting tons of energy and momentum into the conservation movement without asking for very much back. Exactly. Some of these tags sell for hundreds of thousands of yes. dollars, and that money is not going the, not back. Not the sheep hunt, Janet's going on. No. Let's just clarify no. that right now. <laughs> we aren't buying these tags, so yes. But there are people, yeah. uh, there are hunters out there yes. who have the means to yeah. uh, to buy these tags uh, from different states. That uh, It's a tremendous mm-hmm investment and boon for those states, that's money directly back to those states that's to, exactly right. to help conserve animals for the future. That's incredible. And they're doing coloring programs and testing programs and they're density programs, relocation programs, you know, where you elk hunted with me two years ago, um, five years ago, they did a sheep reintroduction into the, one of those canyons at River Canyon there. And there was a sheep population roughly 20 miles away in similar terrain, but there was no sheep on that particular ranch. So the landowner worked with Colorado Parks and they actually reintroduced sheep into that canyon. Within five short years, there is now a huntable population in that canyon. That landowner has done a tremendous job making sure that he has great habitat from noxious weed removal to water um, improvements so those sheep always have water. Great habitat, and they're thriving. And it's not just... um, There's a lot of people that would have this misconception on some of these reintroductions on private land of well. It's only going to be for paid hunting, Um, you know, public resource and only, you know, somebody that's wealthy could buy a tag. Well, these landowners are are actually, it's not working that way. They also have tags for the general public. And these landowners are doing them as guided for free trips because we want public hunters to be able to go in and see the land stewardship and the wildlife stewardship projects that they have done without cost. Because a lot of people also don't know how to judge a sheep, how do you age a sheep? And, and a sheep, you know, we, we want to harvest the old rams that don't have a likelihood of survival. And so they, they actually have staffed guides that are going in and ensuring that you're harvesting that objective, you know, that older age ram that's past his breeding years and, and selectively harvesting and managing. And just to see, you know, that go full circle from, hey, there was no sheep here five years ago to now you and I, everyday Joe Hunter, has an opportunity to potentially be able to go into these areas and hunt. That is that is what we're spearheading here. That's what we're doing. And, and that's a remarkable um, accomplishment in, in such a short time. That's right. Also, by harvesting the older rams, you're allowing the younger rams to breed more. So it's improving the Mm -hmm. genetics of the herd. Mm -hmm. 
So it's it's so exciting for me to just um, to know what an impact mm-hmm. hunters have on populations of animals. Controlling predators mm-hmm. is a is a huge. I um, love that you just said that. That is a huge <laughs> um, topic for debate right now, and. There's so many important things when it comes to wildlife management as a whole that we need to look at science-based management policy. And and I love that, you know, your state really looks at that with everything that you guys do in Indiana. And I think that's important across the country to have a science-based management program. What are you doing in Indiana right now, like going forward? What are your what are your big projects for the state this year? Anything exciting? One thing I am uh, spearheading this year is working with our Department of Natural Resources. Sources mm-hmm. to do a kind of first experiences mm-hmm. um, initiative for, uh, to bring people into the outdoors. Mm-hmm. So in the last two years, since the beginning of COVID, we have seen nationally and in our state uh, a huge increase in the number of people who are visiting our parks, mm-hmm. national parks, state parks, um, camping, hiking. There's just been a, a huge influx of new people mm-hmm. who've have really don't have a much of a history in doing these activities, but people were looking for ways to spend time with their family and friends and to get out and being in the outdoors was a safe place to be right now. Mm-hmm. So what I am hopeful of is that we will transfer um, more skills and more experiences to these to this group of people who are new to the outdoors. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, working with our uh, DNR mm-hmm. to um, to encourage people to get out and hike. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to be doing a, a number of activities um, over the coming year to, to engage people in maybe try fishing or whatever it is. So, and that's yeah. all in addition to your accelerated program at Camp Atterbury as well. That's so you're correct, continually yes. bringing in new sh- shooting sports and new disciplines to yep. your facility there. And what a, Indiana's a great state to hunt. If you guys haven't hunted Indiana, there's a lot of hunting. Turkey hunting and whitetail hunting is really what you guys are kind of famous for, bread and butter. Yes. Um, and both of them, tremendous opportunity. You guys have done a great job with your wildlife management. Your deer numbers are great. Your turkey numbers are flourishing and you hunt both uh, religiously there. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I'm uh, headed home tomorrow and um, and I'll be home for about four days and then I'm headed on a duck hunting trip too. So um, I love you. You're like my spirit first lady. I'm like, if I had to be a first lady, I want to be Janet. She's amazing. Oh, well, I have fun. Yes. I certainly have fun. But yeah, there's a lot going on uh, across the state. There's a really interesting project um, in northern Indiana. Um, the Nature Conservancy mm-hmm. has a, a property that's uh, several thousand acres there, and they actually have reintroduced bison. Oh. So it's a prairie restoration project. We're, we're um, seeding the prairie grass back to natural... Mm-hmm. Native grasses. Native yeah. grasses and Native vegetations, forage, yes. Yeah. And they've reintroduced uh, bison and a portion of this property, and I love getting up there to visit. They started out with... Um, about a dozen bison, and now we're um, close to 30. Yeah, it's just really fun. That is really fun to see the, it's like, Indiana's not like the Great Plains, but I mean, that, that's what you think of when you think of in, like 
bison in, in yeah. native habitats yeah. of like, this is the Wild West. They're bringing it back in Indiana. And yeah. that's, that's a really awesome program. I didn't even know you guys were doing that. I, we're going to have to, next time I go there, go see this bison herd and, and just kind of take a look at it. Thank it, you so much for everything you do. Thank it's, you. We are so fortunate to have you here at Sheep Week. We're fortunate to have you and your husband in, in a leadership role representing hunters, representing the Second Amendment, um, and really looking out for um, our way of life and um, and representing that here at the Sheep Show. We, you know, we need more people like you here so you can take our message back to, um, back to a whole different demographic. And that's what we need for the hunting heritage and our Second Amendment to continue. So. Well, thank you. That's um, something else I've tried to sort of focus on and, and emphasize this week is mentorship. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I think um, it's how I got involved mm -hmm. really in, in hunting and shooting sports is through friends and learning from people who'd been involved for decades sometimes. Um, so, you know, I really encourage everyone to just find one person mm -hmm. over the next year to, to help um, pass along this heritage and tradition. And let's change the optic of hunting. It can be men, it can be women, it can be kids. You can be any race, color, creed, religion. We don't care. Everybody is welcome in the hunting and outdoor community. Absolutely. And, and I think COVID's really taught us that um, there's something precious that cannot be bought or can never be taken for granted of being in a wild place. Yes. Um, you know, this six foot social distancing and lockdowns and all of this, I mean, it has made me absolutely cherish taking in fresh air on the mountain and listening to the leaves rustle in a trees, uh, you know, all of these beautiful sunrises and sunsets and, um, there's nothing more spectacular than being in the wild. And um, I'm so thankful that you bring that message to Indiana and to the world um, for other first ladies to look up to you and, um, you know, maybe invite them into this space and bring them into this space where they can have an understanding as well. So yes. thank you so much for everything you, you do. And I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you guys all for joining me and Janet Holcomb on Wildland Cut Podcast, live from the Sheep Foundation here in Reno. Thank you again, Janet, so much. I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you for listening to the Wild and Uncut podcast. If you would like to hear more, be sure to subscribe to my Pursue the Wild digital series on YouTube and follow me at Christy Titus on Facebook and Instagram.